Hey guys, this is Jacques. Welcome back to Unpopular. Let's just get into things because I have some big topics that I want to talk about. So there are some crazy fucking rumors about the new Beverly Hills housewife and people are saying that she is a madam for the global elite. Uh, Someone said she is a Karen who calls the police on black people. There's all kinds of stuff going around about this this, uh, Bosnian socialite who is rumored to join the housewives of Beverly Hills. I'm getting into all of it and separating the fact from the fiction because, uh, sorry for a spoiler alert, but a lot of the rumors going around about her, I do not think are true. Uh, I'm also getting into Tom Girardi's political connections because they are back in the spotlight, as they should be. And Dave Portnoy of Barstool Sports has been me too'd in the biggest hit piece bullshit article ever. You've probably seen this going around on social media and just wait till I get into it because... If you're, like, on the cancel Dave Portnoy bandwagon, you're a fucking idiot. Because if you just read this story, it is so fucking biased and ridiculous. And I'm not even a Dave Portnoy fan. I actually didn't even know who the fuck he was until all of that Call Her Daddy stuff. But I read the article and it's, like, fucking ridiculous. So, let's get into it. First, can I just share some personal updates? So, you all know that I moved back home and that I have kind of been loving it. Um, okay, so I'm still loving the town. The town is great. The lifestyle is great. It's beautiful. The weather is amazing. I'm hiking. There's gardens. There's swimming. That is all good. Um, living back home, too much. I can't do it. It's too noisy. It's too messy. It's chaotic. The dogs bark all day and nobody tells them to be quiet. They just, you know, when you've got like a neighbor, have you ever had a neighbor, right? And their dog is barking and then the owner doesn't tell the dog to be quiet. That's what it's like here. It's like it just doesn't end. It's insane. It's like uh, it's like an alarm clock and no one's turn no one's hitting the snooze button. No one's unplugging it. Constant barking dogs and I'm like a very strict dog dad and I'm not about that. Um multiple TVs going in the house at full volume at all times so the sound is overlapping. Like it, there's no like um let's close the door to this lounge room or like turn it down a bit so you know we can listen to our own TV in peace. No, it's just all out there overlap. It's like a, in a nut house. It's it's insane. Like I can't podcast properly. I can't sleep in because I get woken up. Um, they shout across the house. Shark dinner's ready. I said to my mum, I'm like, are we the fucking Beverly Hillbillies? Like this is so white trash. Like stop screaming. Just come over and walk a few meters and be like, dinner's ready. Like you don't have to scream across the house. It's insane. Like maybe I. Honestly, maybe I grew up white trash and I didn't realize it because I left home so early. And now that I'm back, it's like this culture shock. I feel like now I can't even be that loud. I hope you can hear me properly, but I'm like, are people listening through the walls? Um, Is there any privacy? No, there's not. I don't even know if I can record next weekend because family's visiting and they have small children. Um... I'm going crazy. I need to get out of here. I'm already looking at rentals. Like, I can't do this. I'm, it's on the verge of a mental breakdown. So, I'm looking at places to rent already. There's not a lot of options here, obviously, because it's like a smaller area. So, we'll see what happens. Secondly, uh, I finally got on the dating apps here. And you guys, it's not good. Like, it's really not good. It is dark. It is dire. It is depressing. It is hopeless. Like, words cannot even describe the things that I've seen on some of these dating apps after just one day. Within a couple of hours, I'd already gone through all of Tinder. Um, I didn't realize that there were people still like this. Some of the people that I've seen on these apps, I'm like, am I on another fucking planet? And it's funny because I was, like, nervous to even sign up to them in the first place. Because obviously, I've been back for a few weeks, but I hadn't gone on the apps yet because I was... Because... I was like, look, I haven't been on a dating app in a long time. Like, the last one that I used was OkCupid. And you guys know that I had that on international settings because I was trying to find an American husband. It is my dream to have an American husband. I haven't given up on that yet, but I just, you know, I tried. It wasn't happening. And I haven't been on dating apps in my own area in a really, really long time. And 
I was nervous to sign up because I already said to you, I'm like, I got out of my fitness routine through the pandemic and the lockdowns because the gyms and everything were closed and I was eating too much and I just, you know, I didn't get my hair cut for so long. So I just felt like, you know what, I'm not in my um, visual peak right now. So I was sort of like, I don't know if I want to sign up, but then I'm like, fuck it, I'll just do it. And Jesus Christ, even me at my lowest and most hideous would still be considered like, hot for this area like it is crazy in sydney i could barely get a guy to look at me it was like hi do i exist like am i a fucking ghost like am i invisible like that's what it was like in sydney here i could practically have my pick of the fucking litter like i don't even have to filter my photos it's amazing i mean it's would be it would be amazing if there was like any options there there is barely any okay um I have matched with a few guys that I've talked to. So, if one of you guys have somehow found my podcast, I'm not shading you, okay? If we matched and we're talking, clearly I think you're fine. But I'm just talking in general and, like, what my expectations were. It's not meeting my expectations. So, after Tinder, I went to Grinder, which was worse. Like, gr- okay, I'm, this is going to sound like I'm trying to be funny. I'm not. When I went on Grinder, it was like I was in an episode of The Walking Dead. It was disgusting. I'm probably going to delete it off my phone. I even had like, when you fill out your grinder profile, it says like, you've got to fill out like sexual preferences and, you know, are you versatile top or bottom? Like I answered everything at first, just signing up on there. And then as soon as I had the profile, like I took anything like that off. Cause I'm like, I don't want these people knowing like anything like intimate about me. They're so gross. And I, I had always feared this deep down. Like, one reason I had never moved back here before, because I'd always said, you know what, there's, like, no dating life in these smaller towns. I'm going to have to, you know, find a partner in the city and then, like, come back here. But I guess that, I don't know, with COVID and everything, I thought, you know, maybe people are, like, they're working from home, people are leaving the cities, they see that it's, you know, overrated. I thought that was the new thing now. I thought we were all leaving the cities and going country. And I think in my mind, especially when I came back, right, and I saw that they've, like, updated the town so much, like, there's, like, nice bars and cafes and stuff now and all these, like, new things that were never here when I was here before. And I'm like, wow, like, this, you know, town's thriving. So, in my head, I'm like, oh, they must have had, like, all these other cool gays that have, you know, just realised that the cities are overrated and they've, like, gone country. And that's not the case. It's like everything here has changed and gotten better except the dating scene, which is, it has not changed one bit since the last time I visited here 10 years ago. And even some of the decent guys that I've matched with on Tinder, and it's only a small handful, most of them are like not even in Aubrey. They're in like the, na- they've got like neighboring towns. So they're not even in this town. So, um, Look, I just don't know what I just don't know what to do, okay? Because anyone that would be like half decent here, they move out really young like I did. I moved out at uh I left at 16 originally and I came back when I was 25 for a while. But if you're decent, you'd leave as soon as you can. And then the ones that stay here are like like they fucking stayed here for a reason. You know what I mean? Like it's not cute. So I mean, I don't even know about friends. That's what I mean. Like, it's not even just dating. I don't even know how many of these people I could be friends with. Yes, a couple. Again, if I matched with you on Tinder and you're somehow listening to this, clearly you're fine and I'm happy to- um, You're fine, okay? You're great. But um, I just- It's just not what I expected. I think I just had, like, grandiose expectations- <laughs> my life here. So, uh, I will be getting back on OkCupid to keep hunting for an American man. That may be my only option. And I just don't know what my next step is going to be in general, because Melbourne is still too crazy with the COVID thing. So, I don't know if I can move there. And I just don't want to go back to Sydney. And I need to get out of my parents' place. So, um... And I don't know if I can stay here if there's if I can't have any social or dating life whatsoever. So there's just a big question mark on things right now. 
Okay, now that that is out of the way, um, let's just talk about the Beverly Beverly Hills Housewives for a little bit. By the way, if you're a Patreon subscriber, I will drop a new Patreon episode sometime this week, so just hold tight for that. Um, okay, so Beverly Hills, the season is finished. I'm excited to close this Erica Jane chapter because I think by part four of the reunion, we all know where we stand with her. Like, I love her. A lot of you hate her. It is what it is. I don't even want to go over the same points again because I'll just be repeating myself. Um, and you know, she obviously kind of hasn't done anything wrong legally. So at this stage, we're just like, um, tone policing her. Do you like her personality or not? Um, do you agree that she was allowed to yell at people or should she have been more remorse? You know, we're just arguing about that. Like who fucking cares? But when the last part of the reunion aired, right, the writers behind the LA Times article, you know, the famous LA Times article they mentioned on the show, they interviewed those writers um, and they talked to them about Erica and the season and they said a few interesting things. Um, One, by the way, was how they thought it was stupid that the fans got, like, obsessed about whether Erica was tipped off about their article or not. They were like, "Um, that's irrelevant and doesn't mean anything, you fucking psychos, which I actually said that at the time. I'm like, you know, this means nothing whether she knew about the article or not. But anyway, just I'm glad they confirmed that. Um, But the other stuff was all about Tom Girardi and his political connections, which we already knew about this stuff, obviously, but I feel like it kind of got brushed aside a bit with the Erica Jane of it all. So, here is one quote from one of the writers. He said, we wrote another story about Girardi's relationship to the State Bar of California, which is the public agency that is supposed to police bad lawyers. The story demonstrated how Girardi cultivated officials there with Vegas parties, boozy lunches, free legal work, private plane rides. I would like to know what Erica knew about these relationships. Did she hear about or witness any corruption of public officials, bags of cash? My DMs are open. And here's another quote from one of the writers, okay? He says, I would like to know what Erica witnessed during the course of her marriage as it relates to Tom's political and judicial connections. Share more about who would join you and or your husband on the family planes. Talk more about the casino interests that Tom and his business partners have had over the years. What did you learn about the process of judicial appointments, which your estranged husband had such power over? What did you learn about Tom's ties to law enforcement? What conversations did you over here. And when I read that, it just snapped me back in reality because I had brought up some of this stuff at the beginning of the Erica things, but then at you know the beginning of the scandal, I had said it a few times. But I think that as like the season went on, we all got so caught up in like the Erica Jane part of it. And, you know, all people were like concerned trolling about the victims. Oh my God, the poor victims. But it was like, no one really cared. They just wanted to like dunk on Erica Jane. And then it was like, we all stopped talking about the real fucking story, which is obviously the corruption in the California legal system and California politics. And let's be real. We are talking about Democrats here. Like Gavin Newsom, the California governor, he went on Watch What Happens live we've all seen this clip and andy is like who was your favorite housewife and he's like well eric is my favorite housewife because tom has been so generous to me over the years with contributions and then i went to campaignmoney.com and opensecrets.org right they um you can check where people uh it's like the public record of who people donate to politically like if you make donations to candidates right um and it has all the politicians and you know all the people that give them money and i looked up Tom Girardi and he was just like fucking throwing money at the Democratic Party. Like Tom and his law firm, Girardi Keys, they must have they must be one of the biggest Democratic donors for sure. Easy. Like if you look it up, um, the stuff that's on record, I mean, look. We're just assuming here, but I'm sure there was other money that's, like, not recorded. But the stuff that's on record is, like, about $1.5 over 20 years. And he gave money to everyone, like, all the big guns, like Hillary Clinton, Dianne Feinstein, um, Adam Schiff. But then even just, like, random Democrats across the country, like, all small parties, um, you know, like, in Alaska and Tennessee and various PACs. Obviously, none of this is illegal, by the way. I mean... It's legalized bribery. We all know that, but like technically it's not, you know, technically you can donate to political parties. That's not illegal. It doesn't mean anything, but come on. We know Tom Girardi's a fucking crook. And if everyone is assuming that all the money from like for Erica's music videos came from orphans and widows, shouldn't we assume that 
about all the politicians that took his money too. I mean, duh, obviously. And we all know this, but it's just like reading the article again, I'm just like, God, like, why were we even caring so much about Erica? Like, I mean, I get it because it's such a juicy story, but it's also like, this is like the real fucking story. And here's something else fishy. Um, By the way, this is, I'm not accusing anybody of anything. All I did was go on Google and just put people's names in that were connected to Tom Girardi, okay? So, I'm not trying to act like um one of the anti-Erica, like, conspiracy nuts that I always make fun of. I'm just throwing things out there <laughs> without any accusations, okay? I'm just like, hmm, Tom Girardi knew this powerful person. Were they giving each other favors or was it all fine? There's no evidence. Um, Just... Just guessing, okay? So, uh, Tom, one of the people Tom was really close with, was very buddy-buddy with, was the former LAPD police chief, Charlie Beck. Um, I think he even appeared on one of the episodes of the show. Uh, Maybe it was with Erica's first season. I think she bragged about all the people that Tom knows. So, he popped up on an episode with Tom and Erica. So, he was very close with them. And I Googled him because I'm like, hmm, LAPD police chief, like friends with Tom. Is this guy shady? And I found all these articles about a civil suit to do with police brutality, basically. I'm not going to run through the whole incident of what happened because it's just, it's very, like, complicated and there's a lot to it. But I'm going to give you, like, the cliff notes, Okay. So, what happened in a nutshell was this guy was dating the stepdaughter of an LAPD officer. They broke up. A few days later, the cop came and beat the guy up, you know, a bit like, hey, you fucked with my stepdaughter, I'm going to, like, you know, whoop your fucking ass, that kind of thing. The cops then made up this bullshit story to cover their asses to try and cover it up. The guy that got beat up, he goes and files a complaint, and then police chief Beck declared that the cop had actually done nothing wrong. I mean, obviously the cop did, but police chief Beck declared nothing, nothing to see here, guys. It's all good. So then this guy goes and he goes and takes it further and he files a federal lawsuit against the cop that beat him up. The jury agreed and the cop was found to have acted in malice and then had to pay this guy a bunch of money. Weeks later, police chief Beck promoted this cop to sergeant. Then the guy goes and he files a civil suit against uh, police chief Beck, basically for um, promoting the guy. He said that it caused him emotional distress or something. And then in 2019, the jury ruled in favour of police chief Beck, so he wasn't found to have done anything wrong, according to the jury. That is the very short and condensed version of that story. As you can imagine, there's, like, a lot to it. And obviously, I'm not saying that Tom, like, pulled strings to, like, get the cops off or to get police chief Beck off or anything, but I'm just saying that, like... When you look at, like, Tom's lifestyle and his connections and where the money was going and stuff, then you look at incidents like this with a new lens. You're like, hmm, well, hmm, maybe he did have the power to, like, you know, help his friends in high places. And then it's just crazy that we made it all about Erica Jane and, like, who did Erica Jane's hair on a fucking music video or bought her, like, Chanel fucking purse. It's like, this is the real story. Um, And Erica Jane... Take is taking all the heat, and it's really convenient, isn't it? It's convenient for all the fucking, like, politicians and, like, police chiefs and everything. How great is it that Erica Jane is out here as, like, the face of this fucking scandal and taking all the heat while, like, no one is talking about them? I mean, the LA Times guys, they even said that they wrote some other article about Girardi's political stuff, and, like, no one's even talking about that. We're only talking about the one that involved Erica. And, you know, the truth is that we're probably never really going to find out about all of this corruption because, like, it runs too deep. It's too deep. Like, these people are way too powerful that if even, like, one of them gets exposed for some, like, dirty deeds, that would be a miracle. And, you know, Erica Jane is the perfect, like, decoy because her involvement is salacious. Like, she does have this Anna Nicole Smith Esque like quality to her and the whole scandal, so it's like it's easy to make it all about her. But I mean, come on, like all these people Tom was giving money to, and no one's going to do anything. I mean, we all know Hillary Clinton's corrupt. No one does anything. Like we know Donald Trump's corrupt. We know Gavin Newsom's a cunt, and people were still out here like standing him during the recall election. Like I understand people that like voted for him still because they're like, look, we don't want like Larry Elder in. We don't want a Republican in. Sure, whatever. 
But, like, people were, like, standing Gavin Newsom. Like, I saw it on social. I was like, are you people, like, something's wrong with you that you would, like, stand this fucking loser? Um, and then I wonder how Erica feels about all this. Because, like, I feel like a lot of her anger now, when you look at all of her anger throughout, like, the season and, you know, her rage at Sutton and stuff, I'm thinking, like, is her rage just, like, so bigger picture than what we're seeing because she would have been to many dinners with Tom and God knows who else. And I'm sure she knows where not all the bodies are buried. I'm sure she knows where some of the bodies are buried. And obviously she has to keep her mouth, like she has to keep her mouth shut. She can't talk about this shit. So it's like, you know, people tweet about her going, oh, she's so tone deaf. Why is she angry? Why is she yelling at people? And then, you know, what about the victims? And like, I'm sure that's the least of her concern. You know, people- tone policing her on Twitter is the least of her concerns because as viewers of the housewives, we all act like, you know, her interaction with fucking Sutton or Garcelle is life or death. And it's the most shocking thing on the planet. Meanwhile, Erica's probably sitting at home thinking, how the fuck do I get myself out of this mess without like Gavin Newsom picking up the phone and calling police chief Beck to do God knows what to me. Like she's probably thinking about that. This is some succession shit, which I've started watching by the way. And I fucking love it. Um, I had to find something that myself and my mother could agree on to like watch together. Cause we have very different tastes. And I thought mm, I'll give succession a shot. Cause Dasha from Red Scare is on it. So I'm like, I'll watch it for Dasha, and now I just fucking love it. Okay, so now that the um, we've talked about Erica and all of that, and again, the chapter is closed on Erica. I'm not debating Erica's, like, fucking involvement and stuff anymore. We're done, part four. We're done. So the new season of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is currently filming Everybody's Back, including my girl Teddy Mellencamp, by the way. She attended Kyle's store opening, which was filmed for the show. Now, does this mean that the queen is back full time? I doubt it. Could she be an official friend of? Probably not. But just even seeing her in any capacity, I'm like, fuck you haters. Like, Teddy's not going anywhere. She's going to keep popping up. You can't get rid of her. And if she is smart, she will start asking questions about, like, Dorit's robbery or something and be like, "Mm, did you stage that robbery? And then maybe she'll be upgraded full time like our girl Sutton was. So, love that for Teddy. Now, there is a new housewife filming this season, okay? And... I've got all the tea on her. So, her name is Diana Jenkins. She's a hot blonde Bosnian socialite and entrepreneur. She is not confirmed as a housewife yet, okay? So, from what I hear, you know, she's just filming. People come in, they film. It's like a test. It's like a chemistry test that early on in the season, and then they see if they have potential or not. So, she may just pop up as a friend of. She may be a guest. She may be a full-time housewife. It could go either way, but... I have a feeling she is going to be either a friend or a full-timer because from what I've dug up on her, she is like perfect housewife material. So, she fled Bosnia in the 90s during the Bosnian War and she ended up in London where she married this British financier named Roger Jenkins, who at the time was the highest paid banker in Britain. Now, she runs this drinks company called Neuro, but... I think it's a flop. Like, she made all of her money off of her uh, marriage and her divorce. So, she and Jenkins, they had two kids together. They ended up getting divorced. He ran off with Australian supermodel Elle McPherson. They settled their divorce in 2012, and she got £150 million at the time, which converted to, like, US dollars. It's about $200 million US. And I don't know if that included the property that she got, if that was, like, the total sum. It probably was. Yeah, anyway, 200 fucking million, a lot of money. Uh, And one of the things she got in the divorce was this huge Malibu property that they have, and she actually just ended up selling it earlier this year to the founder of WhatsApp. She sold it for $87 million, so she's rich, honey. She's rich. Now, the WhatsApp guy, okay, this WhatsApp founder, he already owned the property that was next door to hers before she sold, right? And they were like feuding neighbors in Malibu. So, he actually ended up suing her last year because he said that she had ordered her gardeners to go onto his property and to cut down 70 grand worth of hedges that were blocking her ocean views. Apparently, her motivation was that that she'd put the house on the market at this point, and she thought that if she got rid of those hedges, it would make the 
it would make it more desirable because it would give it ocean views and then she could sell it for more money. So he's saying that that was her motivation. And then when she was doing this, he had his black security guard go over to like intervene or to stop her. And he said that she displayed, quote, aggressive, racially prejudiced Karen type behavior and that she kept threatening to call the police like a Karen. Now, this is alleged, by the way, okay, they were in a petty lawsuit, so it may not be true. You know, people can put whatever they want in a lawsuit. So I'm not saying she's a racist, but I do think it's funny that he said she acted like a Karen because, you know, we already have a few Karens on the Housewives of Beverly Hills, like Sutton. So, sure, Diana is going to fit right in. Now, um, after this, she ends up selling the property to him for $87 million, and she now lives in a $13 million mansion in the Hidden Hills. Now, Diana has a lot of celebrity friends, including Kim Kardashian, and she is dating this singer called Asher Monroe. He is 33 years old, which makes him 15 years her junior. He's pretty hot. He is a struggling actor and singer. He's been trying to make it like, you know, just around Hollywood and stuff for over 10 years now. So, I'm thinking Toy Boy, which, again, will be great for the show. You're going to have this, like, hot, blonde, Bosnian socialite with, like, millions of dollars and, like, a young, hot boyfriend. I mean, that's going to be fun to watch. Now, there are some crazy rumors about Diana, and I hear that these are completely false and made up okay, so I'm just saying that don't take this seriously but they're out there and they are going to recirculate as she films more so let's just get them out of the way now so like most socialites diana is also a philanthropist right I mean, this part's true. This part isn't the rumor. She's a philanthropist and she's big on the charity circuit. She used to have her own foundation uh, to raise money for orphanages in Bosnia. And she's done work with human rights groups and people like that. So, do you guys know that infamous blog called Crazy Days and Nights? It's this anonymous lawyer called NT Lawyer and he posts celebrity blind items and they're very juicy. And then he usually posts the blind item, then everyone tries to guess it and then he reveals who it's about. Well, a few years ago, he ran a few stories about Diana and he basically accused her of running a human trafficking sex ring. He said that she was trafficking Eastern European girls, I'm assuming from like Bosnia and places like that, since that's where she's from. He said she would traffic these girls through the Caribbean and then into the United States and they would be like sold off to elites as, you know, sex slaves. Um, There were also claims that she was like a Hollywood madam and that she would connect all these different celebrities in Hollywood to, you know, rich uh, rich Arabs and businessmen and stuff. So, she would be the one, I guess, that finds the sort of the B-list actresses and the, you know, Instagram models and hooks them up with the rich Arabs. Um, now, one of my Twitter mutuals, uh, he's behind the blog Pop Culture Died in 2009. I don't know if you guys know that. It's an amazing tumblr or it was i don't know if it's that active anymore but it's just focused on all of the like great 2000s pop culture like paris hilton and spencer pratt and you know the olsen twins and all of those people it's awesome and he knows everything about celebrity gossip um he said that all of this shit from the crazy days and nights blog about diana was just not true it was made up he said that the guy behind that blog is a total fraud and that he just invents these like juicy blind items for clicks he also has a patreon that he makes a lot of money off of so i mean i think it's fake come on and the only reason i'm even bringing this up because i don't really like to bring up things like this sometimes especially on my main show i mean i'll say whatever i want to say on my patreon but i don't want to like give fire to some of the like stuff that people say sometimes on the internet so i don't address a lot of rumors but we all know how psycho the beverly hills fans are and we know that since diana is coming on as a friend of lisa rinner's i don't know if i mentioned that but yes she's being introduced as lisa rinner's friend uh we know that the fucking fans are gonna start bringing up oh my god she's running a sex trafficking ring um was uh delilah and Amelia Gray involved. Like, is that how Lisa Rinna met her? Like, we know that they're going to start saying all this crazy shit. So, let's just acknowledge it now, get it out of the way, and call it bullshit, and get excited for the new season. 
Anyway, let's get into this pathetic attempt to me to Dave Portnoy. I've tried to record this many times, but it's like I'm living inside of a zoo. So let's try again. Um, also, to that fucking person the other week that said that I'm just having unpopular opinions to get, like, attention or whatever. Well, I'm about to fucking defend Dave Portnoy to my largely female audience. That's not... It's hardly good business, so fuck you. All right, so an article came out from Business Insider that tries to paint Portnoy as some kind of violent rapist, basically, but there is, like, nothing illegal in there at all, and it pretty much just boils down to a handful of consensual hookups that have been completely sensationalized and editorialized. It's just a fucking mess. Uh, It's one of the most blatantly manipulative things that I've read in a long time. Like, I know a lot of this, like, woke journalism tends to be like that, but this one, like, takes the fucking cake, even for this genre. Like, to the point that I was laughing reading some of this shit. And before you form an opinion on Dave Portnoy, um, you have to read the article first. I think it is behind a paywall, but there are websites where you can, like, get around it, which is what I did because I will never give them my fucking money. Uh, because it's, like, even just the headline, the headline is so outrageous. Like, you literally think, oh, my God, this guy's, like, Jack the Ripper. And then you read the story and you're like, okay, th- so this is literally just, like, bullshit and a hit piece. Uh, I'm also surprised that they're still even doing stories like this because I kind of thought that this – Uh, like this Me Too cultural moment had passed because it's like with Me Too, right? We exposed Harvey Weinstein, who is a fucking pig and he clearly deserved to go down. And then we also jumped the shark with Me Too because we got shit like the uh, Aziz Ansari takedown. Remember that? It was like some woman that had a one night stand with him and it was like completely normal. And then she regretted it. And then she did an article in some like feminist website going, mm, I felt icky. And then people like me too to him. And then I think he actually came out and apologized, which is like so pathetic. Again, never apologize for this stuff. So anyway, I thought that the, the me too movement I figured was sort of done. I'm like, well, it's climaxed on both ends now, but I guess not judging by this story or if it isn't fucking dead, it will be now after to this because you've got to be an idiot to take this completely seriously. Although many people on my Twitter timeline are, which is depressing. I don't know if they even read it or if they did read it, um, they're not reading it with a critical eye. So uh, look, I'll just explain who Dave Portnoy is first, because if you're listening in Australia, you may not even know who he is. So he runs Barstool Sports, which is this huge sports media company. You will either know him from the sports stuff or because Barstool used to host the Call Her Daddy podcast and Dave was a big part of all the drama when Alex and Sophia split up. That's how I even found out about Dave Portnoy and Call Her Daddy when that just like hit the headlines. I think it was last year. Before that, I didn't know who he was. I don't have any stake in him. I'm not a fan. Like, you know, I come on here all the time and I defend Joe Rogan. I'm a Joe Rogan fan. I'm not like a Dave Dave Portnoy fan. So, I just read this open-minded and that's how I'm going into it. So, their brand, the Barstool Sports brand, it's very anti-woke, very anti-PC. At one point, Dave interviewed Donald Trump. The Barstool Sports fan base are obviously like blue-collar sports nuts, like, you know, lots of straight white men, which is, you know, not very popular these days. Remember uh, Meryl Streep's fucking Oscar speech? Uh, Without us, all you have is martial arts, and that is not the arts. She was dead to me after that. I didn't even like her before then, but when she had that fucking speech, because I do like UFC, and many UFC bouts are a lot more entertaining than some of her movies. People think every movie Meryl Streep does is good because it's Meryl Streep. It's really not. And she's actually far too measured in her performances lately. Like, the Meryl Streep of today is not the same Meryl Streep of, like, classics like Kramer vs. Kramer. Like, Meryl Streep now just, like, knows she's fucking Meryl Streep and she just, like, peacocks in the room. Like, shit, like, her fucking shit doesn't stink. She sucks. So, anyway, look. People do not like Dave Portnoy. Obviously, look, the Trump thing, anti-PC, anti-woke. He has a lot of enemies in the liberal media, which comes along with these sorts of things. Uh, And, of course, there's criticism of him that's valid, blah, blah, blah. He's not perfect. Joe Rogan's not perfect. Sometimes they fuck up, sometimes they don't. But these people 
like the Dave Portnoy's of the world, they do have a bunch of like woke libtard journalists gunning for them at all times, trying to take them down. And you guys know how it goes. And that's what this is. By the way, Dave Portnoy did also raise over $40 million to help small businesses during the pandemic. But of course, this article doesn't mention that. It mentioned, I think, every single bad thing Dave Portnoy has ever done in his entire life. And then you left out the, the small business COVID fundraising, which is like so huge and like makes him look so good. So anyway, look, Business Insider dropped this article last week. It is titled, I was literally screaming in pain. Young women say they met Barstool Sports founder Dave Portnoy for sex and it turned violent and humiliating. Pretty extreme title, right? Well, spoiler alert, the whole article is a few girls. There's about two and a half maybe, that slid in Dave's DMs, got flown out to his mansion in Nantucket, had rough but consensual sex with him and have now changed their mind and they regret it. So they've talked to Business Insider and the Business Insider chick was actually uh, reaching out to many, 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 many women over social media for months and months and months trying to put this story together. Some of the women have uh, even leaked the messages that the journalist sent them, this female journalist and they said that they were very, like, leading questions and that she was trying to fucking paint Dave Portnoy as a pedo. Um, None of these girls are underage, by the way. Okay, so the article begins with this girl that... Girl. This woman, 20 20 years old, that slid into into his DMs. She slid in his DMs and then they started sexting. Uh, The language that the writer uses is so manipulative off the bat. Uh, (laughs) The writer goes, she was a 20-year-old college student. He was a 43-year-old millionaire. It's like the way that she writes it as if he's like an 80-year-old sex tourist fucking a 12-year-old in Thailand. It's like, okay, she's a hot 20-year-old. He's a rich 43-year-old, two adults that banged, no scandal. The whole the whole article, every single sentence is written like that, by the way. <laughs> it's like so fucking absurd. So they start texting and he asks her to share her sexual fantasies. And she wrote back, this is what she wrote. I mean, actually this one is kind of common, like a rape fantasy where I don't have any control of what's going on. So, I mean, he loves that. So he flies her out to his place in Nantucket to bang. They had rough sex. It was consensual, but it was rough. I think she said that he spat on her and, um, I don't know, pulled her hair, choked her, you know, rough sex. Uh, She said, this is a quote, uh, I felt like I was being raped and he choked. Oh, sorry. No, the article said this. Um, She felt like she was being raped and he choked her and spit in her mouth. So, just to clarify, it doesn't state anywhere in the article that she said stop and that he wouldn't. So, none of that. Like, because obviously there's even, it's still considered rape if you're having sex with someone and then someone says, no, stop, you know, stop doing that. I don't want to do it. And then you keep doing it. That's still rape. That's not in this article, okay? The language they use is actually kind of vague where it feels intentionally vague. So, it's like without saying rape, you can kind of like think that there was rape, even though there wasn't. Uh, Again, it's more of the manipulative, like, way that they framed everything. And it does sound like he was gross and aggressive, by the way. I'm not going to take that away. But that's literally what they met up to do. She DM'd him. She she said she wanted to try out a rape fantasy. Uh, And everyone knows that he's into rough sex, by the way, because he had, like, a sex video leak, which I'll get into, which was very rough. So, people know that's his thing. Uh, She said she wanted to do that. He flew her out to his place with the intention of doing that. They did it. She regretted it. Um, Then she told Business Insider, I felt like a human sex doll. I mean, that's kind of what happens when you slide in a rich dude's DMs just because they're famous and then fly out to have sex with him. It's not rocket science. You're kind of, you are a human sex doll. If that's what you you do, that's how you lead your life. So maybe you like being a human sex doll. That's fine. But uh, to act surprised that you were a human sex doll, I don't know. Did you think you were flying out to marry him? Look, news flash going um sliding into a rich guy's dms going i want to try out a rape fantasy he's probably not going to propose to you so 
in this very lengthy article, there's only like one other girl really that they use um, on the record that tells a proper story about him. And the rest of the article, by the way, which is very, very lengthy, is all just um, like it's either a couple of vague anonymous sources that don't really say much or it's just like unrelated things. Like Dave Portnoy said the N-word. No, he rapped the N-word. They said that he said it. And then I Googled. I was like, oh, what did he say? And then I came up that he rapped it once, which obviously don't rap the N-word, but... I mean, it's kind of unrelated that it's in this article. I thought this was a Me Too article. But anyway, we're going to get into all that as well. So this second girl, Allison, she was 19 and she was in Nantucket with her girlfriends and they all wanted to party with Dave Portnoy. Apparently around the area, he's known as like the party god and all the young people because I think Barstool Sports has a very like um, big uh, college type following. So all the um, the recent graduates, high school graduates, college kids there, they want to hook up with Dave Portnoy. They want to party with Dave Portnoy. He's like a legend to them. So, Allison's sister and her friends, they were all DMing him, trying to, like, get his attention. They wanted to party with him and hook up with him. He was not interested. So, then they suggest that Allison message him instead because she was apparently more his type. Now, in the article, they try to frame it like he went for Allison because she was younger. She was 19. This is the quote that they use from her sister. He was much more interested in her than any of my 22-year-old friends. Well, She was 19. So, 19 verse 22, not a huge difference there. Still legal either way. Also, Dave has has banged 22-year-olds before. Um, The woman in the leaked sex tape of his that you might be able to find it on Pornhub and stuff if if you dig around. She was 22. uh, They had rough sex. Then it leaked. People tried to make out like it was some kind of assault. She actually had to come out publicly and go, look, I know it looks like a bit weird that he has me in a dog collar and stuff, but we were this was consensual and we're friends and it's all good. So, relax. Um, So, anyway, my point is he clearly screws 22-year-olds. So, even that line thrown in the article acting like 22-year-olds are too old for him. Like, it's untrue, okay? So, I'm guessing they didn't use pictures of any of these women, but I'm just guessing that Alison was much hotter than her sister and her sister's friends. So, they're like, oh, Alison, you're really pretty. You give it a go. So, they all push Alison to message him, and she does. And he responds. Then Allison tries to get him to agree to having all of, you know, her sister and the sister's friends come over to his place. And he's like, well, no, that's going to be awkward because you're coming over here to fuck. And I don't want all these other people here. And so he says, no, they're not coming over. So obviously he's made it, they've made it clear what she's going over there to do. She's going over there to have sex with him. And then because he doesn't want the friends to come over, she actually calls it off. So she calls it off. A few weeks later, she changes her mind and then messages him. And she says she wants to come over. This is a quote from her. She goes, I was definitely pushed by my friends. So I'm guessing her girlfriends are like, oh my God, you've got to message him back, girl. So she did. She goes over to his house and has consensual sex with him, but then decides later that she didn't enjoy it. Now, let me read out what happened in her words, and you tell me if this was illegal or non-consensual, and who put more pressure on her to have sex with Dave? Was it Dave Portnoy, or was it uh, it Alison's friends, like her sister and her sister's friends? Because I think it was the latter. Uh, Let me read this out. Allison recalled sitting by the pool. Portnoy offered her watermelon and water. He asked her which school she went to and which grade she was in. Allison recalled, then she said, He got up to go inside and I was like, Okay, I'll go in with you. And he said, I didn't know it would be that easy. He leaned in and started kissing me and I didn't know what to do at that point, she added. And we went upstairs and he was really aggressive and I didn't know what to do and we had sex and that was it and he kicked me out. Allison said her memories were fuzzy because of her emotional distress surrounding the event. But like Madison, she said Portnoy choked her. Um, He kept spitting in my mouth, which was really gross. She said, I was kind of scared. I didn't want to disappoint him. Okay, so what do we have there? He's kind of gross. He has rough sex. 
in nowhere did she say that she said no. She clearly went over there for sex. She followed him into the bedroom. He even said, I didn't know it would be that easy. She still continued walking in there. Obviously, there had been the first time when she called off the meeting because she was sort of like, mm, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go over there and have sex. But her friends encouraged her. So she went over there for consensual sex. And then the art, uh, this, the, this is from the article. Okay. It explicitly states, quote, Allison does not describe what happened to her as sexual assault, but she said she was still deeply disturbed by the experience. I felt very preyed on, she said. Then her friends write, they go and leak a selfie of her with Dave, and apparently it spreads around Nantucket. I guess they have this whole social scene there of, like, rich college kids that party there and stuff. So the selfie spreads around Nantucket. And the article then says that Allison had depression. And then it says, quote, three nights after having sex with Portnoy, Allison was suicidal and was hospitalized. The article actually mentions her having depression a few times, by the way. Uh, at the start of the article, the writer goes, and he had sex with a 19-year-old who was suffering from depression. As if her depression means she can't have sex with somebody and what, he should have known better. He didn't know that she had depression. He actually came out in a video on Twitter and was like, I didn't know she was depressed um and but the article keeps mentioning it as if she was like this poor depressed girl that he preyed upon instead of um these girls that like messaged him and then went over to have sex with him and did it consensually and then you know what else dave released he released the dms between himself and allison days after they had sex and in the messages she says that she misses his dick and that she loved bragging about their hookup in Nantucket. So that doesn't really gel with the way that it's reported in Business Insider if you read that. And even if it like even if the Business Insider version was true, which it clearly isn't, um nothing illegal happened and her friends are clearly more responsible for her mental anguish than Dave Portnoy. They're the ones that like pressured her repeatedly to go hook up with him. They're the ones that sent the fucking photo around of them together. He wasn't sending photos of them around or doing anything like that. Um, so yeah, she gave in to peer pressure had consensual sex, got embarrassed, then became suicidal. I don't even know why details of this private sexual encounter are actually being published. It's like a page three tell-all, you know, like, my hot night with Christian Ronaldo. Like, what the fuck? Like, how are you even allowed to, like, share these details when nothing untoward really happened? I mean, I understand if we have an official, like, okay, he did this and this is illegal, you can probably maybe um, publish it then, but- I don't know. It's just the whole thing is fucking absurd. So it gets worse. So Allison's mother freaks out. She files a complaint with the Nantucket Police Department about how Dave Portnoy has heaps of young girls coming to his house. Again, we're talking legal girls, 18 plus. Uh, obviously, nothing comes of the report because nothing illegal happened. And in the article, they're actually kind of vague about the police report. So it's almost like they're very vague about it, so it could sound worse than it is. But then Dave himself went and posted the full report on his Twitter account, and there was literally nothing to it. He also said that Allison uh, lied about her age. I don't, he, I don't know what age he thought she was. I think he assumed that she was of legal drinking age, like 21 in the States, because I guess she was out drinking and partying and stuff. But, I mean, it doesn't even matter if she lied about her age or not, because she wasn't under 18. So, whether she's 19 or she's 21, you know, he didn't even offer her alcohol, apparently. He offered her, what was it, water and watermelon and something. So, I don't know. Like, I mean, you can do porn at 18 years old, okay? So, you can certainly have consensual sex with a celebrity at 19 if you can do hardcore porn at 18. Um, Oh, one other girl spoke to Business Insider on the record about Dave, and literally they did not hook up. All they did was send some direct messages to each other years ago. So, this girl, she was 19 at the time. Dave was 40. Um, The article article writes that they go – she had just turned 19 at the time. It's like, okay, so she's 19. Like, see what they did there? She just turned 19. She's practically 18. No, she's actually 19. And guess who this chick is? Her name is Ava Louise. She is an Instagram model. She went viral on TikTok last year because she licked a toilet seat during coronavirus as like a 
stunt, a TikTok stunt. The year before that, she went on Dr. Phil talking about how her goal in life was to become Instagram famous. You know how a lot of these, like, thirsty people, they try to replicate, like, bad baby, Danielle Brigoli, cash me outside, so they come on Dr. Phil with, like, an outrageous story? She did that, and it was like, you know, I'm addicted to Instagram. All I care about is fame. And then a year later, she leaked the toilet seat, and she got back on Dr. Phil. And in her messages to Dave Portnoy, which she shared with Business Insider, she actually said to him, quote, I want to be famous so bad and I'll be good at it. And Dave replied, I'll be a good start then. Wow, bombshell. (laughs) Thirsty Instagram model who wants to be famous tries to sleep with famous person and then tells the media about it. Oh my God. So listen to this part of the article. Though Ava responded willingly at the time, she said she had come to see an inherent problem with a man in power knowing he could take advantage of a young girl. It's predatory, she said. <laughs> Give me a break. You are a thirsty thought. Trying That was literally on Dr. Phil going, I want to be famous. Message Dave Portnoy to like hook up with him. And then for whatever reason, you called it off. And then nothing even happened. And now years later, you're talking to fucking Business Insider about it to get your name in a media article. And they actually ran this like it's like a credible, like this is some kind of credible Me Too allegation. It's fucking crazy. So- Both of these girls, the Ava Louise and the Allison, they are not credible at all. And even if they were credible, even if everything they say is like, even if they're like upstanding citizens, I mean, I don't want to say that because then someone will go, oh, are you saying that, uh, that a stripper can't be raped or whatever? No, I'm not saying that. Obviously, they can. But clearly, these two these two are, like, full of shit. Like, from Dave Portnoy's messages, which he leaked, and then Ava Louise, nothing even happened between them. Um and even if everything they said was true, none of like no one was raped, no one was underage, no one said nowhere in this article does it say someone said, please stop, please don't do this, and then he didn't do it. The only thing in this article, honestly, that holds any weight is the very first girl, because she does say that when she was having sex with Dave, he pulled out his phone to start filming her without her advanced permission. So that means like asking ahead of time, going, hey, can I film you on my phone? And then you wait for the yes or no. Then you pull the phone out. Basically, they were hooking up. He pulled out the phone. Now, nowhere in the article does it say that she actually said, stop filming me, and then he refused. She just said that he didn't ask for permission first. So, I mean, that's dodgy still. Like, if you're going to, like, film someone with a hookup, like, fucking, if someone did that to me, I'd be like, bitch, what are you doing with bringing your phone out? But- Again, like, this does not say that she said put the phone away and then he continued filming, which I think that would be illegal. It just says he didn't ask for permission first. That's, like, the biggest bombshell in this. Um, Yeah, outside of that, there's nothing there. The rest of the article, which is very, very long, is just all unrelated stuff to just how problematic and, you know, awful Dave Portnoy is. They, they've combed over every single thing he's done. He's been on the internet for a long time. He's, like, what, 43 now? So, they bring up old jokes he's made. He rapped the N-word. He hired someone at Barstool Radio who had a history of transphobic comments. It's, like, all stuff like that. Um, And maybe his character is not the best. Maybe he is problematic. Maybe he's a jerk. It doesn't make him a rapist. It doesn't mean you can run like this whole article to act like he's raping young girls and assaulting them and having, you know, violent sex with them against their will. Um, One thing the article did stress is that Dave sends his fans after people that he doesn't like and that it can result in, I don't know, online harassment or trolling. And when I read that, I actually did think that sounded bad, kind of like, you know, bullying and it made Dave sound like an asshole. But then I went through his Twitter myself and I saw him firing back at like Business Insider and other woke blue check journalists that were trying to cancel him. And I just thought like, good on you. Like they fucking deserve it. So, Dave put out this 12-minute video response at first, sharing his side of the story and refuting the allegations, and it's pretty convincing. So, uh, I recommend going over to his Twitter to hear that side. Sorry if I'm talking softer now, by the way. It's been like I'm, like, going to kill someone. I'm not even kidding. Um... Okay, let me finish this fucking Jesus Christ today. I've been interrupted maybe 
40,000 times. Like, it's... I'm having a mental snap. Okay. So, Dave is on Twitter, right? And he exposed the owner of Business Insider, Henry Blodgett. I don't know how to pronounce his fucking name. Henry Blodgett, who not only got a bunch of poor bathroom attendants fired from this swanky eatery in Manhattan that he would, like, eat at because he just said that he didn't like bathroom attendant. So, he complained and got them fired. He was also charged with civil securities fraud and he was permanently banned by the SEC from the securities industry in general. And the only reason that he even bounced back with our business insider is because Jeff Bezos invested millions into him for some reason. So, Dave Portnoy exposed him. Uh, Portnoy also shared information from a previous hit piece that Business Insider had been busted for. So, earlier this year, they did a story about former presidential candidate Andrew Yang having a supposed, like, history or problem with sexism uh, on his campaign from his campaign staff and one of Yang's staffers like came out and made a Twitter thread about the article and about all the things that were wrong in it and it was like every basically everything in the article was wrong one of the worst parts was that uh the way that the writer did the article was they made one anonymous source sound like 10 different people. And it was intentionally written like that to paint this certain narrative against Yang. So, it sounded like there were all these people coming out when it was just like one random person who like wasn't even credible. So, you know, this is what they did with the Portnoy piece as well, just in terms of uh, the way that they manipulatively like framed everything and had like this whole agenda they were trying to do. So, obviously, they have like a history of doing this. And uh, after the Andrew Yang um, article was kind of, like, debunked a bit, um, the editor of Business Insider actually had to add, like, a long list of corrections down the bottom of it, like, update it with, like, you know, editor's notes and, like, all these things that they fucked up, including... One that was in the article originally, they wrote that one of Yang's staffers left a New Year's party with an incapacitated woman. They actually ran that and then they had to remove it because there was no proof. So it's like, that's you basically accuse someone of date rape, right? And then it never even happened or you had no proof of it. So again, when you're reading the Dave Portnoy article, even though I'm sure he's a pig and everything, like just keep all that in mind of how Business Insider like do their journalism. Uh, Portnoy also shared uh, on Twitter how Business Insider are like paywalling all of their articles now and they've actually been using the hit piece on him. It kind of coincided with them going to a subscription model and they've been using it to sell subscriptions to the website. So, the whole thing is a sham and a scam and, yeah, even though they tried to make out, like, Portnoy some, like, Twitter bully who uses his fandom to come after people, it's, like, good. Because if he's not coming after these fucking scumbag dishonest journalists, then, like, who will? Like, someone has to. And, I mean, I'm sure he uses his power in, like, negative ways, too. Uh, so, I'm not going to say that he hasn't come after people that haven't deserved it. But in this case, it's, like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like, destroy them. That's why, like, Joe Rogan should sue CNN. Like, people need to start fighting back. Like, this is how people have to handle this. Even at the Beverly Hills reunion when Lisa Rinna stood up to um, Garcelle with the, you know, like, for you to say that shows who you are. Like, at this point, like, we all just have to stop apologizing and just go, no, fuck you and fight fire with fire. And if you put Portnoy's name right into Twitter at the moment, like all these fucking woke journalists come up and they all have thousands of likes and retweets. I don't know who the fuck's liking their shit because I just see them retweeting each other. But they're like, you know, this article is horrifying. Dave Portnoy is a monster. He's attacking female journalists. We're being harassed. Anyone who defends him is a pathetic sexist. And like, it's crazy. And look, I'll be honest. I do think that it's trashy to be over 40 and banging like 19 year olds. It's kind of gross. I'm on the apps now and I won't even respond to anybody under 25. Like gives me the heebie-jeebies. And I still think that his rough sex style is a lot. Like I did watch that leaked tape of his and it was consensual, but I felt uncomfortable watching it. I'm like, damn, like why are you treating a woman like this? I mean, I feel like that about straight porn in general, to be honest. It's I find it too aggressive towards women in general. But, you know, that's how I feel. But different strokes for different folks. These are consenting adults. Um, And this article feels so 
like, just evangelical and outdated towards sex. And, like, look, I moved out of home at 16. I was sneaking into clubs, partying with older guys, getting myself into situations I shouldn't have been in, doing things I regretted after drinking too much, you know. And I was never into this whole age gap thing. But when I was, like, 18, 19, 20, I knew plenty of people around my age that were, you know, banging dudes 20 years older, girls and guys. Like, it's pretty normal. It's, like, not that uncommon at all. So, this article to, like, be clutching their pearls, like, oh, my God, can't believe, like, a 19-year-old wannabe uh, fame Instagram model would, like, message a famous man and sleep with them. It's like, uh, do you know what the real world is? Like, do you live in reality? Like, this is not shocking. Are you faking acting? Are you faking ignorance? Like, are you just pretending that you're shocked by this? Or do you, are you actually this dumb and you think this doesn't happen? Like, do you live in a fucking bubble? Um And, you know, we all have encounters that we regret, okay? That's the risk that you run being a slut. Like, take it from a gay man, gay people, the sluttiest people on earth. So, if you're going to be about this life, sometimes it means meeting up with someone for hookup and leaving afterwards and being like, "Mm, that wasn't so great. Like, wish I hadn't done that. And gay men don't complain about this shit either. Like, we just get on with it. And we certainly don't lie to the business insider about it. And I don't want to use all these, like, conservative buzzwords of, um, like, you know, I, d- I don't want to go down this path, but it's like, this is some fucking straight-up snowflake shit. Like, who slides into a celeb's DMs, says, I want to try out a rape fantasy, goes to their house with the intention of doing so, no strings, then cries about it to the media. Like... You think about all the poor women that were raped by Harvey Weinstein and drugged by Bill Cosby, and then you have these fucking chicks being like, mm, I had sex with Dave Portnoy, but I was depressed. Like, come on, give me a break. And I don't want to do the whole anti-feminism thing, because I feel like it's very it's very Milo Yiannopoulos circa 2015. Like, we're kind of over that whole tip. But, like, seriously, what are these young women being told to believe these days? Because... On one hand, it's all this, like, sex-positive slut-walk shit, you know, be a hoe, be like the man, be a girl boss, fuck you, you want. But clearly, that approach is not one-size-fits-all, judging by these chicks. Like, just take some fucking responsibility for your actions, grow up, and get the fuck over it. You can call Dave Portnoy a pig or a sexist or a sleeve, sleaze, whatever he probably is, um, but to frame him as, like, a fucking violent rapist with the least credible bimbos on the face of the planet is so wrong. This article's disgusting. I'm embarrassed for everyone that I see sharing it around and, like, acting horrified by it. Um, just read it and you can see how full of shit it is, and especially if you look at the history of business inside of the whole thing is a joke. So, all right, that's it for this week, guys. Um, I may or may not be back next week with a new episode. I'm not sure. This weekend was a um, horror show, which is a shame because I feel like I had some really good topics today, this weekend too, but this was like a real struggle to get this out. Um, thanks to all my supporters on Patreon, especially my new subscribers, Katrina, Laura, Audrey, Amanda, Whitney, and Boho Beach Peach. I will have something new for you guys this week, so sit tight. And yeah, everyone, follow me on social media at UnpopularJP on Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, sign up for Patreon if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash unpopularjp, and I will possibly see you next weekend, or I may miss my first uh, episode ever since I started the podcast. We will see. See ya.